You're listening to a classic business podcast as heard on Classic 1027. 1027. Data from Atlas VPN reveals that data leaks reached an all-time high in the first half of this year with over 27 billion records put at risk. That's compared to the same period last year. The number of leaked records through to June 30th grew nearly sixfold by 492%. And as we've seen recently with the Experian breach and the Momentum hack and stocks and stocks, the cyber threats that we face as businesses are ever-present. Now, the data breach at Experian, one of South Africa's largest credit bureaus, will probably go down in history as the country's largest ever self-created blunder. Not surprising that Warren Buffett recently listed cybersecurity as his top risk to business. Well, I'm joined now by Colony Rusmus, Modern Workplace Business Group Lead at Microsoft. Uh, evening, Colin. Microsoft, I'm sure, thinking long and hard about the issue of cybersecurity. How prolific are cyber attacks in South Africa and why aren't we getting better at preventing them? Evening, Michael, and thank you very much. Um, yes, I think the intro is very pertinent and we, we're seeing a lot of these cyber, cyber attacks both globally and in South Africa. You know, if we speak about South Africa, you know, you read the stats. You know, last year we apparently had the third highest number of cybercrime victims globally. You know, and you look at the numbers, you know, and it suggested that um, it cost the economy up to 2 billion rand potentially. Um, Not only that, globally as well, we see that um, cyber criminals are attacking, you know, at least every 39 seconds, which is about 2,000 times a day. And these are attacks. These aren't... uh, petty attacks, you know, these guys are after our data in many ways. So you can actually see that this is uh, fairly serious. Um, and I think the reason why we're not really getting to grips is because of the sophistication of these attacks. You go back five, ten years ago, um, very rudimentary. These things have become very, very sophisticated today. It's very, very targeted at individuals and targeted at companies. And that's why it uh, has to become a strategic issue for companies. It's not something that you can merely put a patch over and think, well, my cybersecurity is sorted out. From that vantage point, what do you see as Microsoft as the, the key pillars that any organization should be considering as part of its security strategy? I think, Michael, the first thing that we want to do is have a look at what we call zero trust and we'll maybe get back to that in a second when we talk about what that actually means. when we talk about the key pillars there are four key pillars i like to look at and there's a lot of detail behind those four kilo four key pillars but as we talk about them maybe go through them the first one really is what we call identity and access management and this has changed largely for us in the last couple of years because of cloud you know if you go back and have a, and you have a look at what our boundaries were, we had networks that we could define, we knew where they mm. were. But these have changed in such a massive way. You know, if you ask a person today, what does your corporate network look like? It's very difficult to actually define that, um, especially because we're in the cloud now. So identity and access management remains key. It is still one of the highest reach points that we have inside organizations today are compromised parts for it. And that's why identity and access becomes so key and identity in the cloud. Mm, especially the with working from, from home as well, Colin. I can imagine that that uh, just it expands the, the multiple uh, attack points or possible weak links in a, in a network now that you're working from home. What's the second pillar? second pillar for us is something called threat protection. Now, this is a very key one, and we talk about automated intelligent threat protection. And why do I say that? Thing, you go back a couple of years ago, 
And we were into patching PCs, we were into getting antivirus updates, and we said to people that that's what you needed to do. The challenge that you have today, as you and I have spoken about all these new points of vulnerability and the sheer volume of attacks, we, we can no longer rely on individuals to do this. And essentially what we now do is we now automate the way we look at security. So as an example, Microsoft gets trillions of signals on a daily basis where we actually have a center you know, in our U.S. office where we really look at what is going on and we pass that information proactively down to our customers to say, hey, be aware there's may, maybe something potentially going on on the internet that you may need to be aware of and we can automatically start protecting against those sorts of attacks. So that mm. really is what we talk about as an automated threat protection. So that really is the second key pillar for us. As we see the attacks becoming more advanced, uh, and I'm sure attackers using things like uh, data analytics, so too must your threat protection advance as well. What's the third pillar? Third pillar for us is information protection. And maybe before going that, you actually touched on a very important point around threat protection there right at the end, is exactly that. What has allowed us to do this intelligent security is machine learning and AI. That, that's really what has allowed us. So maybe the third pillar very quickly is information protection. Now, Michael, if you think about it, when people attack your organization, usually they're off to the data at the end of the day. And I think that's where information protection comes in that we're now seeing in the country or, or what has now become law. We need to make sure that we are protecting our data. You know, there's some very interesting stats around this as well where we look at organizations telling us today that 80% of their data state is potentially dark or what we call unclassified. In other words, we haven't classified the data. We don't know whether it's publicly available information, whether it is PII, personally identifiable information, and we want to protect it in a slightly different way. And the other thing that we need to start looking at very carefully is what we call internal risk management when it comes to information protection. So are we aware of what we have internally inside our organization and how we're protecting it? How are people using it? How is somebody copying something from an internal share drive or a SharePoint or whatever it may be to a memory stick? And was that PII information, for example? So there's lots to think about when we talk about information protection. Information protection is front and center in this age of uh, legislation like Papier and, and other issues that uh, are keeping companies uh, very focused uh, on the issue of information security. And then lastly, what uh, makes up uh, the, 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 the quadrifecta of this security uh, matrix? I think to round it out, for me, it's cloud security. We know that most organizations today, and in fact, the stat says that 94% of organizations today moved into the cloud. Now, that may be wholly in the cloud. It may be a hybrid solution where they're running things on-premise and in the cloud. We also are aware today that people use, on average, about six applications during their daily tasks that they do and during their daily work. And we have data all, all over there. We have got, uh, you know, the other thing that I have to say is how do we define an employee today? You know, a lot of our employees, they are contractors that we may have. They may be uh, partners that work for us to, to do a certain service. So cloud security for me is absolutely critical because a lot of the data that we have, a lot of the applications that we have are accessed in the cloud today, not just singular clouds, multiple clouds. And I think that's why cloud security for me rounds out the top four. But how do you protect yourself when it comes to working in the cloud? It seems like a very difficult environment to secure. 100%. I think this is where we come back to that, what we call the zero principle, where we really speak about, you know, starting from a premises of trusting nothing. 
um, and then actually building up from there. And I think that that is the, the principle that we speak about um, when we start looking at security um, per se. We call this zero trust. It's a strategy or it's an architecture. And really, it's made up of one or two elements. And I mean, I think the first one for us is that it's an integrated approach. So to your question, we want to make sure that our security is integrated into our products, into the stuff that we use on a daily basis so it doesn't hinder productivity. Now, that's the first thing I think is very critical. The second thing to realize is something called adaptive control. So what do I mean by that? And I'll give you an example. We need to make sure that our security is robust enough to have a look at what is going on. So the example that I'll have to use, Michael, let's say, for instance, you logged onto your PC today in Johannesburg at 8 in the morning. And then two hours later, our information systems say that Michael's logging onto that same PC from Hong Kong or the U.S. Mm. Now, we know that that's not possible, right? Um, so our adaptive controls then say, hang on, um, we need to ask Michael an additional question or two in order to give him access to what he's asking. Now, that's what we mean by adaptive control. So our security changes as environments changes. So that's, <laughs> Colin, that's the second uh, one. I've got such a great example of that. I was recently in the Kruger and uh, logged into my machine uh, on the Wednesday before we, we left to go to the Kruger to uh, do a fantastic four-day hike through the park and uh, trying to log in again just before I left on the hike. And I had to go through another layer of authentication. So that was clearly Microsoft's adaptive controls there, picking up that I was trying to log in from quite a distance away from where I live here in Johannesburg. Spot on. Some of our banking applications are smart enough now to say, hey, you're logging on from a different PC than what you would usually use. Now, that's exactly what we mean by adaptive controls, looking at the environment, identifying that something has changed or something is not possible in the environment, and then prompting you for something else. Now, Michael, what we quite often do with security in these instances, we look at something that a person knows, and that could be your password, and something that a person has. Now, that could, for instance, be your cell phone. So, in other words, we're going to phone your phone, and you need to put in a, a one to accept or whatever it is. Um, that is a really good example of a multi-factor authentication, adaptive control, where we can apply security as we go. And then the last principle on that really is that constant verification to have a look at the state and that your entire digital estate is in order. And there I was trying to uh, think about why my IT guy was trying to give me a hard time on leave. <laughs> what, what does the arrival of, and I mentioned it earlier, this um, Papier legislation is all over the place. What does the arrival of Papier mean for South African businesses in this context of cybersecurity? Well, I think uh, we've spoken about a lot of this, right? And really, our data has exploded. You know, if you think about what we used to consider as data, you know, we had some file shares and that was big at the time, and we used to collect some essentially. But if you really think about where we are today, we're now collecting that, plus we're collecting things like messaging conversations. We are recording our meetings, so we have meeting recordings. And I think what Papier has done, really, is to really make organizations responsible for regulating the way they collect this information, the way they store and manage, and the way they process this information. Now, that really is what it is, you know, at the outset meant to do. And I think the big change that we've seen, and this thing's been around for quite some time with us, right? We've heard about Poppy or Popier for quite some time. The really big change for us is that this was proclaimed by the president on the 1st of July 2020, and organizations were given 12 months to comply. Now, as you can imagine, we're already three months down, so we really have nine months left as organizations to actually start complying 
with the regulation itself before the regulator actually starts reaching in and potentially dishing in funds. Absolutely. The clock is ticking. And just to add uh, another layer of complexity, uh, the world's largest work-from-home experiment has uh, proven quite successful. So the, the whole remote working um, challenge now has to be factored into the way companies think about this. And you're following, and we believe, by the way, that we're not going to go back to the way we were, right, six, eight, nine months ago. We firmly believe that we mostly are going to move into this hybrid environment where some people are working from, from work, some people are working from home. And we've seen benefits, right? We've actually seen benefits from a productivity point of view. Mm. We've seen that these sorts of things are possible. But as you stated, with that comes all sorts of different considerations. And we, we need to reimagine the way we do things like security. You know, we need to make sure we're starting to apply those intelligent security layers to what we are doing because our, our network perimeters are no longer what they were. Couldn't agree with you more. Colin Erasmus, uh, Modern Workplace Business Group Lead at Microsoft. Uh, I'd go so far as to say we need something of a cybersecurity renaissance in South Africa.